Testing, testing. Can you hear me? Blade, 1998. What? Blade, 1998. Oh, the movie? <laughs> Blade 2. Blade 2, 2002. I'm excited. I'm going to go ahead and just start. What? You want to go ahead and just start? I don't give a fuck how this turns out, by the way. <laughs> okay. It may only be like 20 minutes because there's just not much to talk about. Yeah. Let me let me pull up the movies real quick so I can have some fucking details on them real quick. I've got some notes on Mank. I don't know. Because I don't care. <laughs> Why did your phone just vibrate? I think it was my stomach. I'm eating Chinese food. You need to turn your phone vibration off. That shit was loud as fuck. That wasn't. It was my stomach. Oh. My stomach was loud. Are you ready? I'm ready. Come. The only things we're going to talk about is Cyberpunk 2077 being bugged <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> HBO streaming and Disney countering it. And then our favorite A24 movie. And then Mank and uh, being John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go refill my water. There we go. Okay. Apparently it's really shitty at the moment. Oh, we're recording, by the way. <laughs> what? What's your name? Welcome to the podcast. Oh. Hey, My name is Poo Poo Head, and this is my co-host. Young bitch. Young bitch. Uh, on a serious note, this is the Roll Credits Podcast. Um, we're going to talk about some movies and shit. Um, but some ground rules off the rip. Um, we kind of want to build a community around film and stuff like that, because this is the sort of stuff that we're passionate about. We'll talk about music and video games um, some, some weeks whenever there's actual news to talk about. Um, but this is a no racism, no transphobia, no any bullshit uh, zone. Yeah. So the second you come up with that MAGA shit, it's not a democracy, brother. We will uh, ban you. So that's the only rule. Um, but we'll go ahead and we'll get into it. We got some topics. Uh, some crazy shit's been going on this week. Um <laughs> There's this fucking garbage-ass game called Cyberpunk 2077 that everyone overhypes. Um, I played a little bit of it. And uh, you played some of it? Yeah, I played some of it on uh, Xbox One, and it's fucking broken. I mean, you you played it on the fucking outdated console now, though. I know, but what I've been hearing about it is that you're gonna have performance issues regardless. Um... And ultimately, they released it on an Xbox One. So I played it on an Xbox One um, because that was the the version that they were really touting and and is in all their promotional material. So I was like, okay. I've heard some horror stories about, um, you know, the PS4 version and the PC version was the build that people had. And I was like, okay, I'll try my luck with the Xbox One. Um, And it's not great. I think the story so far is pretty interesting. But it reminds, me of, it reminds me, I think he's fine. Um, it reminds me a lot of when Fallout New Vegas came out. Okay. Um, it was a great game, like, but it was a great game six months after the fact. Yeah. So it was shitty. 
before. I remember that PC, yeah, the PS3 version of it was like super bugged. Like there were just a million glitches with it. Um, I would recommend playing it maybe in like six months when it's a bit fixed. I know the reviews are pretty mixed. Like a lot of people seem to really be into it and a lot of people seem to be really, really disappointed by it. I was never really entirely hyped on it. No, um, I felt like it was going to be, it was going to have a disaster at the launch, which it was. Yeah, I think if you follow games media, I think it's pretty, it's pretty obvious to see that there was something up with it. Um, the fact that they kept on kind of veiling the game. They got pushed um, pretty hard. And, and, re- yeah, and constantly retooling it and stuff. Um, but I, I think that the game could have, could have benefited from maybe another six months on the shelf. Um, again, I don't think it's bad, but I, I would definitely anyone who's listening to this like hold <laughs> off because it's just some of these glitches are fucking crazy. I just, I'm reading Twitter. I'm I'm going through Twitter right now. Cyber tw- Cyberpunk 2077. So far, a good game, but what the fuck is with the female police officer wearing high heels? <laughs> uh, sex appeal, brother. <laughs> How is that? How do you think she catches people? I don't know. You got to go fast. They 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 had all this shit with like you can customize everything, but they yeah like genitals and stuff. It's not as much as I thought it would be. Like based on how everyone was kind of freaking out about it, it's just kind of like, do you want a big dick? Do you want a small dick? Do you want it uncut? Do you want hair on your dick? Like. <laughs> Like it's definitely more than any other but game, said, but I don't then think they it... said you can't have you can't have uh, uh, hairstyles that counter like counter what your gender is. Yeah, which is like how do you do yeah. that? How do you have different genitals but then don't have different hairstyles? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. There's a lot of things in the game that just seem like obvious oversights. I mean, literally while I was playing it, I think I, I played like maybe three hours. Um, Every which is not enough to have like a idea of the game, um, but like every fucking ten minutes there were just glitches. Like there would be like areas where the text was supposed to show up, and it would just be like the empty like notes for the developers to put text there, or like an NPC would just start walking backwards, or like someone would just go flying out of a vehicle. Someone would be like aiming their gun backwards. Like it was if you're into that sort of shit. Someone- like, this game is a fucking masterpiece. As far as I think goes. someone found Hideo Kojima in the game. <laughs> I think he. He's it, he. They're like, "Is this you?" And he's like, "This dude that looks exactly like him in the club. His name is Hideyoshi Oshima." <laughs> is that's him? I think that's him. Yeah, so that's that's cyberpunk. I, I I mean, again, I'll I'll update next week when we talk again. Maybe they'll fix it, it by then. But well, there was a day one patch that was like forty three gigabytes. Oh, which is pretty wild, and it didn't really fix anything at all. I almost kind of want to uninstall the game and then go back in without the patch, like just unplug my whole shit from the internet. And just see how much fucking worse it is. I might do that. Um, I think that'd be interesting to just look at, like, if it's just a way worse build. If it's just, like, literally unplayable. Um, Because I have a feeling that that delay was probably so that way they could have a patch that made it playable. You know? Like, I don't know. It's it's crazy to me that they worked on the game for this long and it's still just as fucked up as it is. Delayed, released. to be fair like a lot of that time was spent like uh you know updating and and working on the witcher 3 and then doing that witcher 3 port uh to switch but like i don't know just focus on your fucking game you know what i mean like yeah i don't know um but yeah, I- I'm curious if you ever pick it up. I'm curious what you'd think about it. I- I'm not gonna but... pick it up until until I get a PS5 or like something that was built to run it. I mean, it's not that other consoles can't run it, but 
I'd recommend holding off until like the PS5 versions. Come yeah, out. like because the... right now it's just the PS4 and Xbox PC versions, like they did with the PS4, like the original PS4 release. I didn't get. I have a Xbox. Yeah, you know that, but I have a feeling that it's gonna be very, very similar to like um, how GTA Five was, where like it comes out, it's pretty glitchy pretty okay with it and then like throughout the years they just update it and just create it as more of a they add dlc for seven years yeah then then anything else you know and they're supposed to put that that online stuff in there and it's like you know um i guess we'll see how that all plays out for, uh, i don't know it's, it's interesting it's definitely one of the most interesting launches i've seen a game go through in a minute i think that and the last of us are kind of the two Two most interesting ones, and I think also like Fall Guys. How quick that game was is pretty interesting. But after Among um, Us, after it defeated them, yeah, fucking Among Us. Um, attention span getter. Some other crazy shit. I mean, the only other thing that really happened this week was the HBO and Disney stuff with the streaming. I think it's pretty safe to say that movie theaters are like pretty much dead. Yeah. Um. Because Disney just straight up announced, like, none of our Fox Searchlight stuff is coming to theaters anymore. So, like, all your Wes Anderson stuff and all that, like, that's not going there anymore. It's going to Hulu. Because um, Disney owns Hulu. So, like, they're just going to dump all that stuff there instead. Wait, what? Um, yeah, they announced that. All the all the Fox Searchlight stuff is just no longer no, going to theaters. Yeah, Disney owns Hulu. Or they own a majority of stock. In Hulu. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah, because it was part of their, like, uh, Disney, like, announcements oh, and wait, stuff. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's probably because... Like, like, I should have known that. I should have known that because of that bundle. Yeah, and also because um, all the FX shows go there. You know, and they own they own FX as well since that merger. Um. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of depressing. Like, there, there's, there's definitely like good things about it. Like the idea of like being able to watch the Mortal Kombat reboot movie when that comes out, like whenever the fuck I want, just endlessly, because I know I'm gonna want to watch that movie like a thousand times. Um, that's fucking dope. But like, you know, I, I feel, bad for, like, I feel bad for like the guys like uh, Denis Villeneuve who like, you know, um, he did Blade Runner 2049 and Prisoners and Sicario previously. But he's got that Dune reboot coming out. And, like, they didn't tell him that this was the plan at all. Like, you have to at least let your directors know. And then I think Christopher Nolan came out and he, like, bashed it. He said it was, like, the worst fucking idea of all time. And just, like, shitted on fucking AT&T, who owns Warner Brothers for, like, fucking ever. And, like, this little column. I, I still think that Tenet is my favorite movies so far this year. We're going to get favorite movies of the year, I think, whenever we talk about Mank. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's depressing, but it's also like it's an inevitability. You know, like these, these companies have to... I mean, the only thing that really sucks about it is that, like, you're just not going to get as much original stuff because they're just going to bank on, like, the Star Wars and Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, to kind of get, um, you know, subscribers and keep subscribers. I mean, it's working with them with Mandalorian. Like Disney Plus already has like eighty six million subscribers. Was the number that they reported? Um, and if you're doing the math on that, that's like two billion dollars every month. So, and then in 2019, they they had seven films that grossed over a billion dollars. Um, and only one of them came close to two billion. And like, if you're doing the math on that, like, the subscription is more profitable, you know. Let's see. Um, the... And then if those movies don't work, you know what I mean? Like with the with the word of mouth or whatever, like, it's easier to be like, okay, well, I can just give the password to my account to whoever, and they can watch it instead of trying to get of everyone to go or watch movies over a Discord call or something. I mean, like, I know notoriously, like. The last time I went to a movie theater, it was a forty. It was for nineteen seventeen, and there were forty minutes of previews <laughs> before the movie, and then the screen yeah. glitched out, 
and quit working, and then someone had their phone on for like the first like Super hour of the movie. Getting outdated, I guess. Um. So yeah, at this point, it's like, and most people don't have like a great theater setup, like with all headphones and stuff and all that. But like, most people would rather just watch you the know, movie on their phone than like having having a VR headset. <laughs> probably have a nice movie experience i think I, I know that like i personally like like whenever movies come out i'll just put on my headphones and like plug it into the ps4 headset jack um and then i'll just watch them while i'm like eating or whatever you know like right in front of my tv yeah, i gotta have the whole sound um, system on. and that's most of them. i Say gotta have the whole sound system on i only like that with specific movies that's true um you know i think like a, again like a christopher nolan Definitely. movie like yeah but um for something you know i think like a movie like a lot of a24 stuff is like we, quietly mixed so like having the headphones on definitely Scoob. helps <laughs> for the podcast if we get um if we get 50 followers on our instagram okay we'll watch scoob also, and it also with that, with watching Scoob, so, we also have to watch Sonic. Yeah, so we'll do a double feature. So if everyone goes and follows Roll Credits Pod on Instagram, R O L L C R E D I T S P O D. If you go follow there, and we get to fifty, we'll watch Scoob. Whenever we get to fifty, we'll watch, oh, fifty followers, yes. we'll we'll watch Scoob. Yeah, and Sonic, which means that we'll both have the Blu-rays <laughs> at least, or like a twenty-dollar expense. Which is pretty fucking rough because I have no interest in either of those at all. <laughs> Let alone the time. That's like that's like six hours of fucking. Shit that I just don't want to watch. Let alone the investment on top of it. Although I have I have cable, so I could probably. I don't know. Sonic's probably on like HBO at this point. It might be. Free. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the movie's a meme, but like, I'm gonna have to watch it at some point. You know, it's just gonna have to fucking happen. We've got a question for this week. <clears throat> We're doing one question, and then we'll get into Mank and Being the Mother. Let's record the two movies for the week. Um, there is a question, yeah. You can submit questions at podcastrollcredit at gmail.com, all lowercase. Um, the question that we have, this is the only one that we got, was uh, favorite oh. A24 film. So is that going to be a combined decision or? No, just favorite. I don't think we could ever convene to pick one. Yeah, I don't know if we. I there's a couple that jumped to there's a couple yeah. that jumped to the brain. Actually, I think you know what we'll figure out. We'll figure it out. So I actually kind of do want your input on this. The first one that jumps mm-hmm. to mind is that hereditary. Would that would be like the OG one. That kind of. I think that. Isn't that the one that got me into it? I, I don't know. I think so, yeah. The other other one that jumps to mind is Good Time. Yeah. I mean, Good Time is, like, exceptional. We're, like, going to have to cover that at some point. Did you have me watch... Because it's, like... It's, like, one of my top ten favorite films of all time. Ex Machina is really high up there, too. Yeah. Four hereditary... I mean, it's, like, really, really good. I mean, like, it's kind of cliche at this point to just be, like, the A24 film school, you know, because, like, they're kind of the only ones that put anything yeah. original or good anymore. But, like, it's fucking true for a reason, you know? Like, they just, they put out good shit all the time. Like, every now and then you'll get something good from, like, Blumhouse or, like, Sony oh, Pictures Classic. Oh, it comes tonight. You know? I mean, that was one of the... Like, it comes in like a really good scene. Um, yeah, it comes in like is incredible. I saw that in theaters when it came out. 
um, because I was kind of bored and I just wanted to watch something. And I went in and was not expecting what I got, but um, was very pleasantly surprised. Um, I don't know. The ones that come to to mind immediately for me is Hereditary. Um, Good Time is is way up there, as well as Uncut Gems. But I think Good Time is maybe just a little bit better. Um, It's a little bit more packed, you know. Um, has less like kind of breathing room. It's just like very swift. You just get from point A to point B, and then it's kind of done. Um, whereas I think Uncut Gems gives you a little bit of time to breathe. So there's Wait, a little bit of relief attention. Plus, it's playing with real world. Compared to Uncut Gems, I think good, I think Good Time is uh, a little bit better. Really? Um, well, I don't know. yeah, I like Good Time more, but I think it's also because. Watching Uncut Gems, there at the end there, there's that real life sports kind of outcome, and I know the outcome <laughs> to that game. So there was oh, no I, tension I in that final scene at all. Because I'm a big Celtics fan, so like oh. I knew I was like, okay, I know fair. what's gonna happen here. You completely <laughs> no like ruin the movie for yourself. And uh, spoiler alert. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You had ten seconds to get out, so now it's gonna get spilled for you. Then you get <laughs> fucking head. So, um, I guess there was some tension. I didn't fucking expect no, that shit. Because you feel so uh, like whenever someone uh, I I looked up a review on Uncut Gems because I didn't know how to feel initially. Well, I didn't know how if anyone else felt the same way I did, and they were like, they were like it makes you uh, sympathize with them, even though it's a piece of shit. And I was like, I was like, that's fucking so true. Cause at the end I was like, holy shit, come on, come on. They have to win this. I was like, he has to get his fucking money. And then when, when he just, boom, he's just done. I, I, I lost, like, it felt like I lost. I lost. I was lost. I feel like he wins though. I feel like he, I feel like that's the best way that it happens. Right. Because like, stress the fuck. Um, he would have just betted more. You know, he would have bet more money. So he dies like he dies like at the peak, the ultimate win. You know what I mean? So it's like, and then his yeah. girl gets away with all the money. You Does know. she though? Like, um, I mean, I think they leave it ambiguous for a reason. Like, I mean, I, I, you see her get away uh, in a car. They were, you know, so it's like I thought. I feel like she probably does. <clears throat> I mean, they weren't really going after her as much True. as they were going after him. Like, they wanted him fucking dead. And it was, they were, like, going after his family at the end and stuff. Um, and then that Kevin Garnett speech at the end is just, like, amazing. Um, I don't know. The other ones that jumped to mind is Moonlight. Because that's just... I mean, that's I the only the... one that won Best Picture. Yeah. So, like, it's pretty great. The Lighthouse is probably my favorite one out of all of them. Um... I mean, I that movie, we're going to have to do that at some point. We'll probably do that at the end of the month, we'll probably do that the before the end of the month, to be honest. Poster right now. But I need to get it's fucking amazing. Um, and then Ex Machina, uh, First Reformed, It Comes at Night, and The Florida Project all come to mind as well. I think all of those are pretty <laughs> exceptional. But if I had to pick one, it'd yeah. probably be The Lighthouse or Moonlight. I think whenever I think of A24... Um, the first movie that comes to mind is Moonlight because it's just kind of yeah. the epitome of everything they do. Just giving a director endless budget and just saying, fuck it, have fun, create whatever you want. Um, and and getting that kind of acclaim. Um, Hereditary jumps to mind just because I think H24 is kind of at the forefront of a lot That's of true. horror stuff. Um, with like the rent, I think ever since Ari Aster kind of came into the fray with Midsummer and Hereditary, I think that you've seen a shit ton of stuff. Just look at those ideas and go, okay, I'm going to just yank shit from this. Um, it's not like yeah. he was the only one. I mean, The Conjuring and The Babadook, and um, there's been plenty of other movies that have done that. Oh, shit. But I we think that to... he, I don't know. And then The Lighthouse, the lighthouse is just my favorite one. So. Um, yeah. Um, Let's talk about being John Magovich first, because I think there's just what just 
I don't know. I'm kind of biting, biting at the tongue to kind of <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. It's such a weird fucking movie. And that's what you recommended. So um, we're going to do a thing where we I watch a new release every week. An older film. And then we're going to watch it. Yeah, and then we'll just switch off weeks where we're recommending so, um, movies. And then we'll let you know the time what we're watching for the next week, so yeah. that way you guys have time to actually watch it yeah. um, for when the next movie comes out. Um, so actually, this is like a really good uh, recommendation, um, <laughs> because I had no fucking idea what this movie was about. And I've had people refer to me being John Malkovich, being John Malkovich, and I just never had any interest in it because I'm I'm no, not a big John Malkovich fan. I, I, I wasn't fan. either, but I saw um, it. And I, I, I genuinely thought no. I was gonna watch a documentary. Like I started it up, and I'm like, I don't know what this fucking shit is gonna be. And I started it up, and it ended up being ultimate definition of like yeah. indie bumblefuck weird like movie. And I didn't hate it. I actually kind of fucked with it. But like, and so the more and more I think about it, the more and more I like it. I'm gonna read the excerpt from. What is it? Uh, I think it's, maybe it's from Google or is it? I don't know what. It's set it's in this quirky cult favorite comedy, unemployed New York City puppeteer Craig Schwartz. John Cusack is the actor. Cusack. Cusack. Cusack, yeah. Like balls takes a temp job as a filing clerk for the eccentric Dr. Lester, who is Orson Bean. I don't know who that is. While at work, Craig discovers a portal that leads into the mind of renowned actor John Malkovich. When he lets his attractive co-worker Maxine, Catherine Keener, in on the secret, they both begin an unusual business scheme and an odd relationship that involves Craig so i didn't so there was a couple things i didn't realize because um i think it's just the i think it's the just the network dropping like the connection um the the thing with like um the movie too is like I didn't look at anything going into it, so it took me like a good hour to realize that his wife is fucking Cameron Diaz. Like that took me for fucking. A, it took me for fucking. Of, I was like, "Who is this?" It I'm took me a minute. To, I'm trying to see. <laughs> There's a lot of fucking weird people who show up in this fucking movie. Like Kevin Carroll shows up for like fucking two minutes. Um, Eric Weinstein shows up. He's the fucking father. Oh my god! Uh, at the beginning with the puppet stuff. Um, fucking like Winona Ryder shows up for like two minutes. <laughs> so does like Michelle Pfeiffer and Brad Pitt and Sean Penn. Like they all just fucking show up for like a little bit and have like little cameos and shit. Um, and it, it's so fucking. What? It's such a weird Brad movie. I mean, the movie there? came out originally in nineteen. 19- yeah, the Penn? Brad. Brad Pitt's in there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Charlie Sheen's, like, the most obvious cameo. Um, and this is a little bit after, like, peak Winona Ryder, you know? Peak Winona Ryder was, like, Edward Scissorhands, Winona Ryder. Um, that's, like, the <laughs> ultimate crush for me. Of, like, just, like, Jesus Christ. But, like, I don't know. I mean, it... It's one of the weirdest uh, movies I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay, it's that's true. Way ahead of its time. Um, like the whole transgender thing with like all that. I mean, the movie ends with fucking spoiler alert. Still there. John Cusack's character, fucking, he fucking ends up trapped in the fucking mind of the daughter of his ex-wife the and daughter. this girl that he really no, wants no, no. to fuck he's from in, He's in the daughter and he's just stuck John there. Malkovich and Catherine. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he... It's so fucking weird. I don't know if he's trapped. It's though. so weird. he's in the portal still. I think he, I think he went back to the portal. I mean, so, yeah. It's really fucked up at the end because then you just, you're like, oh, shit, he's gonna... Yeah, Malkovich becomes like a fucking hive mind at the end, which is just like, what oh. the fuck? That threw me off. 
none of it made none of it made any sense to me until I looked up something, and then it made complete it made it made complete fucking sense to me because it's directed by Spike fucking Jones, and here's the fucking kicker. It's written by fucking Charlie Kaufman, who is the fucking weirdest person of all fucking time in film history. He wrote Synecdoche uh, in New York, which is like, some people say is like the best movie of the decade. I remember Roger Ebert in 2009 said that it was the best movie of the decade, um, which was like, I think his fucking directorial debut, oh, which is like um, crazy. Um, and then he wrote, he wrote uh, Adaptation and Eternal Spot, uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and um, and we're going to talk about uh, his his new movie that came out this year uh, next week as like the new yeah. movie for the week. Um, I'm thinking that. ending things. That's what we're going to cover next week. Because um, I think it's probably the one that's getting the most credit three, out of anything he's ever you done. Change your mind on the rating uh, or not? I think I. <laughs> so originally I watched it and I was like, "This is bullshit." One and a half. And then I was like. Okay, there are things that I really like about it. Like, I think Katherine Keener's performance in it is, like, really fucking solid. Yeah, she I think she's the best part of the movie. Drives it a little bit. Um, I think Cameron Diaz is actually, like, really fucking good in it, too. Um, and I like John Cusack in it, despite the fact that I'm not a big fan of his. Um, I think a lot of the actors there are doing a lot. I think that <laughs> there's definitely parts where, the like, Charlie Sheen is just, like, fucking <laughs> eating scenery. You you but left them out of there. The main guy, yeah, yeah, John, he yeah, did, John Malkovich. I, I don't know. He just, uh, <laughs> he's never done anything for me as far as acting. Stars in this movie for himself. I mean, again, it's yep, the how fucking you, weirdest movie how did, ever. How, like, how did how did it's this guy, so fucking weird? Charlie Kaufman come up to <laughs> come up to John Malkovich. <laughs> Ask him, hey, crack. Let me see what's going on in your <laughs> fucking, fucking Adderall and acid. I don't know, yeah. like a motherfucker smoking PCP or some shit. Um, like it's yeah. I mean, it's a fucking weird ass movie. Like he won best adapt. He won fucking best adapted screenplay with a fucking fictional brother that he credited, okay. like for adaptation when that came out. Like, I mean, he's just a fucking, he's just a fucking bizarre dude. Like, everything he does is, and I don't know, um, I wonder if he has any relation to Andy Kaufman. Because Andy Kaufman was, like, a performance guy who just, like, would kind of do crazy shit. Um, you know, he was, like, a performance artist. And was, like, incredibly experimental. He's, like, definitely kind of, um, oh my god. Like Nathan Fielder before Nathan Fielder, um, which like, I mean, he just like would fuck with people. So like, I'm curious if he has wait, any relation to him. Wait. I mean, obviously the Kaufman name, oh, but like, this can't be true. I'm curious if there actually is like a lineage there. This can't be real. John mm. Malkovich was in the Penguins of Madagascar. <laughs> Cat. Yeah, brother. Did you not know that? He was. He was. He Which was one was the he? Villain octopus. <laughs> oh my god. The villain octopus. Fuck, dude. I always oh, wanted John Malkovich to be, be the vulture in Spider-Man. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he'd be pretty good as that. There's this one John Malkovich movie called 100 Years. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They put in a time capsule in 2015. We won't, we won't be alive. And it's not supposed box. to be released until 21. One... <laughs> yeah, it's not supposed to release until we're fucking dead. He did something. So, good job, John Malkovich, you fucking piece something. of shit. I mean, he's definitely <laughs> down to acting some random shit. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys that just kind of appears and shit. Like, um, God, who's the fucking Netflix actor that just is like fucking everything? Even if it's like complete dog shit. <laughs> There's one, I think it might be him, that just like will just fucking show up and stuff for like two minutes. Who? Yeah, it is him because he showed up in Velvet Buzzsaw oh. and like a bunch of fucking terrible movies. John Malkovich, he'll just show up in fucking anything. Like. Uh. 
He was in fucking Bird Box. Like, he'll just fucking anything for a fucking paycheck, so, dude. Like, never make, no. it doesn't matter. Shout out John Malkovich, wait, yeah. Wait, okay, wait, wait. this is the fucking John bread and Malkovich butter. This is the only thing I've been wanting to talk about all fucking you. week. Um, I would probably still rate it at like a three out of five. I didn't enjoy very much of it at all, but I certainly admire it, and I'm glad that it exists. Um, uh, I would what, I, what would you give it at a at a five? I mean, you. I think you like. So I. It's the first movie you recommend. I thought it was like a three so. and a half out of five. But I think. Hmm. What made me want to recommend it? So I. What I made you want to recommend recently it? Recently, just randomly watched it, and then I. Yeah. You said, "Let's." I mean, let me get another okay. movie, and I was just like. I looked at my list of movies that I wanted to pick up and I was like, Oh, okay. That one was one that I feel like you would have a good time. Like watching or <laughs> you, you needed to watch. Oh, I also want to, yeah. I mean, like, I'm glad I watched it, you know, I also want to note, like, I think the, um, I think the, like, set design for the buildings and everything is, like, really impressive. Like, the puppets and all the props and all that stuff is, like, really fucking impressive. Um, Especially with, like, I think they're in, like, a 20 or 30 million dollar budget. So, like, with that sort of budget, like, building those, like, the small apartment, or the small, like, office building and shit. Like, that stuff, like, looks really cool. Like, from a, I don't know, it just, like, made me think of, like, being a little kid again. Um, and I like how much of a scumbag John Cusack's character is. Like, I thought that was really interesting. Speaking <laughs> no. of scumbags, no, we're, we're going to talk about the new David Fincher May. movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Mank. Oh, yeah, it's a new David Fincher movie. Okay, it is. That's my... It's my favorite... So David Fincher is my favorite director of all time. It's, like, not even close. Um... What? What? It's my tummy. My stomach. That makes no sense. The vibration is my stomach. <laughs> That's not what happens. I'm hungry, when dude. You're... I'm hungry. I'm That's hungry not, to talk about some fucking. I'm hungry, hungry to talk about some fucking mank. So, let's go into mank. Uh, you want to talk about some fucking mank when you're hungry? Uh, yeah, Bill Nye shows up out of fucking nowhere at minute thirty-six. I think What'd you that, think about it? Because I've been ranting and raving about this movie for like a fucking month. I, I mean, it came out last week, so but I've been hyped for like, for a really long time. I didn't expect it to criticize. Um, I didn't expect it to go. Yes. Yeah. So hard on the Republican Party. So, <laughs> I mean, it's fucking awesome. Like, I yeah. I thought it was just gonna be like, hey, did you know that old Hollywood is bad? And I was like, fuck, like, <laughs> dude, we canceled Mindhunter for this. Like, what the fuck? But uh, it it was like way deeper than I thought. You know, I mean, the concept of the movie is just like, yeah, um, it's just 1930s Hollywood just evaluated through the eyes of uh, Herman J. Mankiewicz. Um, for those who are not familiar with Herman J. Mankiewicz, um, he is um, the co-author of Citizen Kane, um, which is a 1941 movie that came out right before World War II. Um, it was uh, written, directed, and starring Orson Welles. Um, if you've ever been in a college course ever, for film, they will mention this movie course, every fucking waking chance they have. Um, but the the concept, I think, the story behind the movie is almost more interesting than the actual movie itself. Um, there's a lot of debate on whether or not um, what's happening in this movie is true. Um, I mean. Yeah, it's 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 very very similar to um, 
the kind of stuff that happened with um, whenever he released. Uh, yeah, I still haven't watched that yet. Social Network, which is my favorite film of all time. Um, it's fucking incredible. Um, like, there's an article that came out in the 1970s um, that was kind of this commentary on the false art authorship of Citizen Kane and how much of a uh, quote-unquote fraud Orson Welles was. Um, in film at this point, there weren't really like writer-director stars. Uh, that's a much, much more prevalent thing now. Um, like people who were, wrote the movie, directed the movie, starred in the movie. Um, nowadays, you get people like your Bradley Cooper who like are actors, but then will direct. Or you know, Quentin Tarantino has been in a couple movies, and he's a famous director, and he also writes his scripts. You know what I mean? So Orson Welles is kind of the predecessor to a lot of that stuff. Um, Ari Aster is another one that we talked about. Steve McQueen, Barry Jenkins. Um, these are all guys who kind of follow in that formula. But Orson Welles is like an interesting figure because he's just kind of the prodigy of film. Like he it's did like radio massive. shows and stuff like that and had like this iconic radio voice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so this, this uh, article comes out in the 1970s. Um, I forget who wrote it per se, but it comes out, I think, through the New Yorker about um, the falsehoods of the authorship of technical error, technical era. Um, so Of course, it's you, the beta phase. Yeah, so I was talking about Mank, and then the fucking thing completely cut off. Told me to go fuck myself. Um, right. Anyway, it, basically, the whole concept from the movie is just that... Um, Whenever, I guess, he was finishing and kind of transitioning into actual film directing instead of music videos, um, David Fincher found this article in the 1970s and um, gave it so to his dad. Of that, basically, well, based it off, the, off the kind of bullshit article. Um, and so he, I mean, I think he knew that it was fake. I think he just found it fascinating um, about this co-authorship of it. Right. Um, and so um, the movie tackles a little bit of that, but he gave it to his dad, um, David Fincher did to Jack Fincher, his father, who was a critic um, and, and journalist in the same way that Mankiewicz was before he wrote Citizen Kane. Um, and so his dad began to write this uh, script. And then after um, 1997's The Game, which was created, uh, which was a film directed by um, David Fincher, starring um uh fuck i forget who's in there sean penn's in there and uh, michael douglas is is in there um and uh after he finished that he wanted to work on mank um but couldn't find the funding and decided to make fight club instead in 1999 um, probably probably the best thing that could have happened um and then of course um jack fincher passes away i think in 2003 um, and then David Fincher goes on to create Panic Room and uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button and Zodiac and has, of course, Social Network and Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl and um, kind of helps produce an upstart House of Cards for Netflix, which kind of started the whole streaming, um, you know, TV boom um, is kind of it was, I think, the first original Netflix show. Um and then, of course, he went on to do Mindhunter. Um, so this is the first film from him in about six years. And so knowing all that, I thought that the film would be a lot more about the co-authorship of Citizen Kane and the fight for intellectual property and um, creative genius versus people who take credit for said creative genius. kind of has a um, relation to what's going on now as well. Yeah. I think it's a bizarrely current movie, especially when you get to... Um, the second half, which has a dramatic shift where um, there's some little things uh, about uh, kind of in the beginning pointing towards a more political thing. But yeah. um, Louis B. Mayer, who is uh, one of the people who uh, I think was the president of MGM or had ownership in MGM, um, is running for office and, and is um, you know trying to claim more power and more power. And the film is really about just kind of the struggle between him and Mankiewicz and, and their political ideology and, and kind of the Flashing. battle between capitalism and 
and all that. And at the same time, the Great Depression is happening. Um, there's this brilliant scene where, um, like, Mankiewicz is walking, and he, he gets his brother introduced to Mayer, and they're doing this kind of walk and talk down the hallway as he's signing these scripts and talking about all this stuff. And he says, you know, there are no no stars at MGM. It's it's about, um, you know, there really is only one star. It's Leo the Lion, who, of course, <laughs> if you've ever seen an MGM film, is the guy who roars at the beginning. And of then proceeds Robocop to go as front of the entire uh, staff yeah, and, and then, lower their paychecks. No, I we make a we make a million dollars. We uh, sign a million dollars over for films um, every year, and the reason why they never get produced is because I don't feel any emotion. And where do I feel emotion? I feel it here, here, and here. And of course, he points to his head, his heart, and his uh, balls. <laughs> and so, like, it's just like this fucking enigmatic thing where you're just like, holy shit, you know, you're getting enraptured by it. And then it comes to a screeching fucking halt where he, like, he goes in front of all the fucking people who work for MGM. He's having, like, this giant meeting. And he says, like, I'm going to have to half your pay. We're going to have to cut all, we're going to have to half your pay, and it'll only be for eight weeks. And of course, this is like right as the depression starting because the movie flashes back and forwards constantly. Um, and it's just like, that's like the inciting incident. That's like the immediate, like, it's on, from that point on, it kind of goes. Um, and, and so the rest of the movie is just kind of about that internal struggle. Um, and of course, he bases, he bases a lot of, the citizen Kane character off of um off of those people um it's mostly him just making fun of william randolph hearst who's kind of also like a higher up businessy type guy um and he kind of gets all those details about his personal life so that way he can kind of finalize that script from um marianne davies who's played by amanda seyfried um and he just gets you know and he starts building kind of this portfolio of this guy and then of course creates the movie um or at least so the film says um in real life we know that it was it was kind of a 50 50 but um you know all of this is taken from that kind of fictionalized 70s um thing and 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 the movie bounces back and forth between him telling like his his script writer played by lily collins um uh you know the idea for the film and uh, at the very beginning, he, like, gets into a car accident, and he's, like, kind of housed in this, like, um, shitty, like, doctor's house thing, and, um... Well, it's... It's, like, a... No, there's no alcohol allowed, it's a dry house, and, like... It's more... There's just all this weird shit kind of happening. It's just more of an area for him to kind of be isolated and write. Um, and they... It's just, like, this constant... Forced. ...struggle like, between all these people. He's almost forced to write... The, it's almost like a heist film because like every time that he gets a page deeper it's like he just got away with another score because like he's making fun of everyone around him <laughs> to their fucking face yeah. which is like it, it's admirable but it's also kind of like the ultimate fuck you you know what i mean um i don't know i really liked it and i, I thought like black and white is just kind of my aesthetic like i, I just love when shit is in black and white, like Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. I, I mean, and like the Mad Max uh, one. Max Road, yeah. Like the, the uh, black and chrome edition or whatever it's called. Like I, I, I prefer to watch it that way. Um, I played the last of us in black and white and I played the sequel in black and white just cause I thought, uh, well, once I beat it the first time and unlocked those, um, kind of filters just cause I thought it looked way fucking cooler. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big fucking mark for like uh, black and white. Like it just is kind of my shit. It's, it, I feel like it would put more into the story than um, by taking away an element that you're looking at, you are more invested into the story. More yeah. And I think like, I think the story about like how the movie was made and like all the personal stuff with like David Fincher and, all that is like, because there's there's clear comparisons between Jack Fincher and Mankiewicz. Like, Mankiewicz was a journalist, and then he wrote a film, and Jack Fincher was a journalist who then wrote Mank. You know, so like, um, it, it's interesting. You know, it, it's also interesting just because, again, David Fincher is my favorite director, and like, this has been a passion project that he's been trying to get off, um, off the fucking, you know, for like. 20 years like he hasn't been able to make this movie so um 
I don't know. I, I also think it's like bizarrely poignant in today's political culture. What, what did you think of it ultimately? I know that you finished it not that long ago. Um, I can only say kind of I can only say that it it may push away um, people who fear the word socialism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it's like, it's pretty fucking scathing about like the capitalist point of view. Yeah. Like, it really doesn't hold back at all. Um, it almost, like, and again, almost, I, didn't ex- I didn't expect it to have that political edge to it. I think, back like, on himself at the end of yeah. rant. Because. I mean, it's so good. I don't, I just don't, I don't know, since the movie is. In historically inaccurate or accurate, you can't say whether or not, like, how he should have responded to what was said at the end to uh, Hurst. Is Hurst like, yeah, wait, let me look at that. Who was the guy? Who was the guy? Uh, Mayor, so what, yeah. Mayor? Mayor's the big one. Mayor's the big one that is like really fucking with him that he like really so wants to get out. That like wins the he's the one that wins the political campaign where he bets twenty four grand and loses. Yeah. So then Mayor completely shits on him at the end of his rant, saying he pay Hurst pays half your paycheck. Then Hurst proceeds to compare him to a uh fucking monkey because (laughs) because he forces him because well he he is because he was basically forced to fucking write that movie citizen game but the well and i can't say that he didn't get back at them in a way by finishing the movie in the way that he did and then launching orson welles career to even higher like we back. So, only thing I was going to say was that wasn't that rant at the end, wasn't that rant um, from the past? Yes, it was from, so, I think, like 1936 or something. Okay. So, so, kind of the peak of depression it, as well. Did you feel like he, he lost right there, but then when you went back to when he finished the when he finished the script finally... Yeah, uh, I mean, he felt a little better about it. He wins, yeah, and and there's a lot of things happening at the same time. Like of, of the campaign, like the screenwriters guild is like being formed, and um, I don't know. There's like that scene where he like approaches Davies to try to get like the political propaganda pulled. Yeah. She's she finalized the contract with Warner, so he's just like fuck. He knows that he's like lost. You know, he knows yeah. that it's it's a fucking wrap. Um. Which like that bet that he makes is because uh, he bets against Mayor um, yeah. to win, and so like he it's kind of like his last act of defiance. Like he knows he's gonna lose, you know. That's why he <laughs> starts drinking. But like he's just like fuck you, I don't care. Like I'm never gonna bow to you. Like even if you'll take all my money, whatever. Like yeah, it's almost like, fuck you. Here's your money back. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Like it's just. I like that character. I, I think like that as a ki- the character is is interesting and and what they do with the the facts and and kind that, of uh, agree with that, it like, is like, fake, really cool. that fake like political interview was eerily similar to stuff said now. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of like the fucking that that's what's good about. David Fincher's scripts is like it has like a glossiness to it. Everything feels like how it should feel. There's mm-hmm. not like a messiness to it like some other directors will have. But it just but it's not noticeable. It's not like overly glossy. You know, like even those big moments when they happen, like especially in social network, like there's so many like big dramatic moments, right? But like that definitely didn't happen in real life. But like it just makes it so much more interesting. Like it just adds layers to it. Like someone sending an email being like, fuck you is a lot less interesting than someone being like storming in the office, throwing a computer, you know, 
and then being like, fuck you. Also, by the way, I'm going to steal your whole company. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's far less interesting, you know? Um, plus, like, there's a lot of weird shit, too, that, like, is making it, like, uh, fairly, you know, um, it's just a really weird movie to come out at this time. I mean, let alone the fact that it's in black and white and all this and all that, you know. Um, <clears throat> and David Fincher hasn't released a movie since Con Girl in 2014. Like, he hasn't released, like, a full-length feature project, wow. which is the longest that he's gone without making a movie. Because, um, again, he was doing Mindhunter and all that sort of stuff in between. Um, but I don't know. What what do you think about it overall? Like, out of, uh, what would you give it? On a scale of five, yeah, out of five. Um, I'd have to say probably a four for me. Yeah, I was, I was uh, like, whenever I finished it, so I've seen it three times now because I'm a fucking <laughs> weirdo. And uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, it's probably like a four. It's definitely like one of the worst Fincher movies. Um. Which, like, is crazy um, that a four can be, like, someone's worst, one of their worst projects, yeah. Um, but now I'm, like, you know, and then I watched it the second time, and I was like, actually, it's great, it's phenomenal. And now I've now I've kind of simmered on it a little bit. Now, there's definitely flaws with it. I think that some of the kind of performances that show up are, are a little um, kind of wooden. Some of the people that show up just for, like, brief moments. Um, I think, like... Also, the film just doesn't do a really good job of, like, tracking who's who and, like, where they're at at certain points. No. It can be, like, a little confusing to kind of tell, like, what all is happening. I'm sure that I still don't even know what the fuck is all happening. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that there's things that we said that are just straight up wrong. Um, you know, but, like, um, I think as a whole, like, it's a really solid project. I think I'd probably give it, like, a four and a half. I mean, it's probably my favorite movie of the year, but it's also been an incredibly weak year. Um, I don't think I'd put it over. I definitely would not put it over Social Network or um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo or like definitely not over Zodiac. Definitely not over Seven. Yeah, Girl with the but, Dragon um, Tattoo is pretty high for me. I think probably. Yeah, I think I think I'd put it like right there with Gone Girl. Like it's pretty great. I think I think I might like it a little less than Gone Girl, but like um, I think it's really great. I think it's really good. I think people should check it out because. Um, it's like a weird movie. It's on Netflix, so if you have that, then it's not really that difficult to kind of grab it. Um, I don't know. I'm glad that we watched it. I'm glad that it came out. I'm glad that 2020 didn't fucking steal that from us, too. <laughs> also, there's a weird connection, too, because um, Mankiewicz, he has a grandson named Ben Mankiewicz who works for the Young Turks. Oh, wow. There's a Hassan Piker uh, kind of link there. So... Shout out to the boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's much to say. Um, I think next week, um, I'm going to go ahead and pick the movie right now. But we're going to watch, um, next week we're going to watch I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is the uh, Charlie Kaufman movie. Yeah, from, uh, <clears throat> from uh, it's on Netflix. It came out the same week as Cuties. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. Um, we, we will not be covering that um fucking podcast that's not happening i'll watch fucking scoob and sonic 20 times um we're not doing that fucking shit i'm not having the fbi show up at my fucking house um but the recommendation that i'm going to give for next week is a film that is on netflix that is a korean film called burning starring uh steven ewan who most people know as glenn from the walking dead Oh. So, we're going to check that out, and we'll cover those next week, and whatever news is also there. Um, anything else you guys want to, or anything you want to mention or finish off with? Uh, let's see. What other... Uh, let me check real quick. I think, are we, so, I already know what next film that I want to watch for the second film. You want to go ahead and shut that up too? So that way, I mean, we're going to say it again next week, but yeah. I think, I think we should cover, people might I think, have we, I think we should watch um, Jacob's Ladder. 
Jacob's Ladder. Is that on? Is that on Netflix as well? Um, that's the horror film, right? I don't think I've ever yeah. seen it actually. It is on Hulu with a certain subscription. I don't. I can't tell you what it is, so I don't know. Okay. It might be one of those Showtime we'll exclusive movies. Okay, so the schedule that we're looking at for the podcast is. Um, of course, this week will be the uh, December. We're recording this on December 11th, so this will be Mank and being John Malkovich. December 18th will be I'm thinking of ending things and burning. Um, the 25th will be Tenet and Jacob's Ladder. Um, January 2nd will be Parasite and the Lighthouse, and then January 9th will be Pieces of Woman, and then we'll find AJ's recommendation in the future. Hold on to that one for a little bit. So, um, finally, we'll do our little plugs and then we'll get out of here. Um, you guys can follow AJ at I Forget Sorry on Instagram. And what's your Twitter again? It is. AJ underscore Dobbs. And you can follow me at Florence underscore hyphen on everything. And then we'll get out of here, guys. We'll go ahead and uh, see you next week whenever we have – maybe I'll have some cyberpunk updates. (laughs)